Let the Bible Speak with your speaker, Brett Hickey. One of the reasons that I am a member of the Church of Christ is that when the church assembles, they offer the songs of praise just like we read about in the New Testament without the use of instrumental music. This is one of the traits of the Churches of Christ that makes them different from many of the denominations in existence today. Although they are in the minority, there are still other religious bodies known for conducting their worship services without musical accompaniment. Included in this number are Primitive Baptists, Old Regular Baptists, Old German Baptist Brethren, the Reformed Presbyterian Church, Eastern Orthodox, and others. The Churches of Christ, though, are the largest religious body in the United States that excludes instrumental music from their worship services. About 15,000 congregations and 2 million members of the Church of Christ offer simply, as the Holy Spirit puts it in Hebrews 13, 15, the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. What is even less commonly known, though, is that throughout the world, 150 million people in Eastern Orthodox churches worship in song every Lord's Day, unaided by instrumental music. Have you ever wondered whether or not the Lord is more honored under the New Covenant by worship in song with or without musical instruments? We hope you will, with an open mind, Consider reasons why God is pleased when we worship with Him, worship Him rather, with a cappella music. First, though, enjoy our song.
one of the religious trends in our generation that seems to be gaining momentum is that the optimal religious practices are the new and improved. In fact, you have probably noticed that many of the churches that are popping up from place to place now employ in their title the word new. That's part of the name of their religious institution. The idea of being just like the church you can read about in the New Testament is to many people an old and outdated approach to Christianity. Now, while we all prefer traveling by automobile over traveling on foot or on horseback, people have apparently lost sight of the Holy Spirit's emphasis not to tamper with His ways, not to add or subtract from His will and His ways. It's critical that we absorb this principle. We're going to notice this morning from a host of sources that the original form of church music was singing only. First of all, let's look at encyclopedias. Most believers know that some forms of Jewish worship included instrumental music under the Old Testament. So we know that instrumental music, rather, did exist under the Old Law, the Old Covenant. But when did the followers of Christ begin to use instrumental music in worship? Most people, I think today, would assume that Christians have always sung with instrumental accompaniment. I have seven encyclopedias that say to the contrary. In the Encyclopedia of Religious Knowledge, J.M. Brown notes, quote, that instrumental music was not practiced by primitive Christians is evident from church history. The new Schaff Herzog Encyclopedia of Religious Knowledge documents the fact that, quote, the organ was rejected in early Christian circles. The custom of organ accompaniment did not become general among Protestants until the 18th century. McClintock and Strong's Cyclopedia of Biblical, Theological, and Ecclesiastical Literature reports that the general introduction of instrumental music can certainly not be assigned to a date earlier than the 5th and 6th centuries. Yea, even Gregory the Great, who towards the end of the 6th century added greatly to existing church music, absolutely prohibited the use of instruments. Several centuries later, the introduction of the organ in sacred service gave the place to instruments as accompaniments for Christian song, and from that time to this, they have been freely used with few exceptions. The first organ is believed to have been used in the church service in the 13th century. Organs were, however, in use before this in the theater. They were never regarded with favor in the Eastern Church and were vehemently opposed in some of the Western churches. That, again, is McClintock and Strong's Cyclopedia of Biblical Literature. Sir John Hawkins, following the Roman writers in this erudite work on the history of music, made Pope Vitalian in A.D. 660 the first who introduced organs into churches. But students of ecclesiastical archaeology are generally agreed that instrumental music was not used in churches till a much later date. For Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic scholar who lived around 1250 A.D., has these remarkable words. 
our church does not use instrumental music as harps and psalteries to praise God with all that she may not seem to Judaize. Again, that's from McClintock and Strong, uh, their Encyclopedia of Biblical Literature. Besides the encyclopedias, I also have a list of 17 historians uh, that further support the facts that we've just noted by the encyclopedias. Allow me to share what a few of them have written. Edward Dickinson writes in History of Music, quote, while the pagan melodies were always sung to instrumental accompaniment, the church chant was exclusively vocal. Yale professor George Fisher tells us in the history of the Christian church that primitive church music was choral and congregational. Theodore Finney explains in A History of Music that the early Christians refused to have anything to do with the instrumental music which they might have inherited from the ancient world. Hugo Leichtentritt emphatically declares in his book, Music, History, and Ideas, quote, only singing, however, and no playing of instruments was permitted in the early Christian church. In his book, The History of Music, Emil Nauman adds, there can be no doubt that originally the music of the divine service was everywhere entirely of a vocal nature. And finally, E.S. Lorenz writes, in his book, Church Music, the music was purely vocal. There was no instrumental accompaniment of in any kind. It fell under the ban of the Christian church, as did all other instruments, because of its pagan association. The testimony of history is conclusive. Not only was church music entirely vocal, but all other church music, or all other music rather, was banned by early Christians as something pagan. Now that couldn't have been the case if it was practiced by the apostles or if it was taught by the scriptures. How could Jewish worship include instrumental music and early Christian worship exclude it? Well, somebody had to have altered Christian worship. Did God ordain through the apostles the use of instruments in the New Testament only to have the early Christians remove them from the public worship of the church? Or did the apostles omit instrumental music from the worship only to have men add them at a much later date without divine authority? I believe the answer will become increasingly clear. Let's talk about, for just a few minutes, denominational scholars. What we have heard so far receives even more impressive support from some of the most unlikely of sources. Scholars from denominations that today uphold the accompaniment of instruments in worship. Roman Catholic Cayetan, the prominent 16th century Roman Catholic Cardinal and contemporary of Martin Luther says, it is to be observed that the church did not use organs in Thomas' time, whence even to this day the church of Rome does not use them in the Pope's presence, because God's internal discipline exceeds all human disciplines which rejected this kind of instruments. 
Keep in mind it was the Catholic Church that ultimately introduced instrumental music into the church. Then the Catholic Encyclopedia confirms Cayetan's cont contention, quote, Although Josephus tells of the wonderful effects produced in the temple by the use of instruments, the first Christians were of too spiritual a fiber to substitute lifeless instruments for or to use them to accompany the human voice. Clement of Alexandria severely condemns the use of instruments even at Christian banquets. Well, let's talk about the Church of England, which is the same basically as the Episcopalian Church here in the United States. Joseph Bingham, in volume 11 of his works, writes, quote, music in churches is as ancient as the apostles, but instrumental music, not so. In the western parts, the instrument is not so much as known till the 8th century, for the first organ that was ever seen in France was one sent as a present to King Pepin by Constantine, the Greek emperor. But now it was only used in the prince's courts and not yet brought into churches, nor was it ever received into the Greek churches, there being no mention of an organ in all their liturgies, ancient or modern. The Lutheran, uh, the Lutheran church employs musical accompaniment in worship, yet Lutheran scholar John Kurtz admits in his book, Church History, that, quote, Chrysostom had to declaim against the secularization of church music. More lasting was the opposition to the introduction of instrumental music. Martin Luther himself said that, quote, the organ in the worship is the insignia of Baal. The Roman Catholic Church borrowed it from the Jews. Presbyterian John Calvin, he was actually the father of the Reformed and Presbyterian churches, and he wrote in his commentary on Psalm 33, quote, musical instruments in celebrating the praises of God would be no more suitable than the burning of incense, the lighting of lamps, and the restoration of the other shadows of the, of the law. The papists, therefore, have foolishly borrowed this, as well as many other things, from the Jews. Men who are fond of outward pomp may delight in that noise, but the simplicity which God recommends to us by the apostles is far more pleasing to Him. There's no doubt as to whether Calvin found scriptural sanction for anything other than vocal music in worship. More recently, John Gerardo, the Presbyterian professor of Columbia Theological Seminary, writes in his book on instrumental music, quote, the church, although lapsing more and more into deflection from the truth and into a corrupting of apostolic practice, had not instrumental music for 1,200 years. That is, it was not in general use before this time. The Calvinist Reformed Church ejected it from its service as an element of popery even the Church of England having come very nigh its extrusion from her worship. It is, Calvin goes on to say, heresy in the sphere of worship. Methodist commentator Adam Clark earnestly declares, but were it even evident, which it is not, either from this or any other place in the sacred writings, that instruments of music were prescribed by divine authority under the law, could this be adduced? with any, any semblance of reason that they ought to be used in Christian worship? 
No. The whole spirit, soul, and genius of the Christian religion are against this. And those who know the church of God best and what constitutes its genuine spiritual state know that these things have been introduced as a substitute for the life and power of religion and that where they prevail most, there is least of the power of Christianity. Away with such portentous baubles from the worship of the infinite spirit who requires his followers to worship him in spirit and truth. For to no such worship are these instruments friendly. On another occasion, Clark writes, Music as a science I esteem and admire, but instrumental music in the house of God I abominate and abhor. This is the abuse of music, and I here register my protest against all such corruption of the worship of the author of Christianity. Clark was by no means alone among the Methodists. In fact, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, speaks unambiguously on the topic. He writes, I have no objection to instruments of music in our worship, provided they are neither seen nor heard. Why would these men be so insistent on singing and not playing? Well, before we get to that, let's notice more insistence on a cappella music in the assembly. Baptist William Posey writes in his book, The Baptist Church in the Lower Mississippi Valley, quote, For years the Baptists fought the introduction of instrumental music into the churches. Installation of the organ brought serious difficulties in many churches. Charles Spurgeon, the most popular Baptist preacher of the 20th century, preached to 20,000 people every Sunday for 20 years in the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle. Never, though, were instrumental music or were mechanical instruments of music used in his services. When he was asked why he didn't have instruments in his worship services, he quoted 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. There the Bible says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. He then declared, I would as soon pray to God with machinery as to sing to God with machinery. You may find it interesting to learn that Buddhists put prayers inside a prayer wheel and spin them. Some prayer wheels can contain millions of prayers. The Buddhist spins the wheel in a clockwise direction while uttering religious sayings. When spinning, these prayer wheels are believed to send prayers out into the world. Is it okay to pray with machinery? If not, why, as Spurgeon puts it, would we sing with machinery? We have gone to great lengths this morning to show from encyclopedias, history, and even from prominent scholars within denominations that use instruments that the music made by early Christians in corporate worship was only vocal. This truth is confirmed by Scripture. Consider a sample of New Testament Scriptures on music. Matthew 26, 30. And after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Acts 16, 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. James 5, 13. 
Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Romans 15, 9, I will sing to your name. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I will sing with the Spirit. I shall sing with the understanding also. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And Hebrews 2, 12, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing thy praise. Did you notice what all these New Testament scriptures have in common? They all speak of singing only. In fact, no New Testament scripture ever mentions the playing of instruments in the worship of the church. The apostle Peter says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. So if we're going to let the Bible speak on what kind of music we offer in worship to God, we will be coming together to sing and only to sing. In the third verse of the book of Jude, the Holy Spirit tells the people of God to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. Have you ever stopped to consider what God was trying to tell us in this scripture? Think about it. The phrase earnestly contend for means to vigorously defend. But what are we commanded to vigorously defend or earnestly contend for? The Bible says earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. What is the faith once delivered? Now there is faith and there is the faith. Faith, the Hebrew writer tells us, is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the strong conviction or belief that God exists and is the creator and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But now the faith is different from faith. Albert Barnes says in his commentary on Jude that faith is the system of religion revealed in the gospel. He adds, the delivering of this faith to the saints here referred to is evidently that made by revelation or the system of truth which God has made known in his word. Everything which he has revealed, we are to defend as true. We are to surrender no part of it, whatever. For every part of that system is of value to mankind. By a careful study of the Bible, we are to ascertain what that system is, and then in all places and at all times, in all circumstances, and at every sacrifice, we are to maintain it. So, the faith that we must vigorously defend is the system of beliefs relayed to us in the New Testament scriptures. The faith once delivered includes singing, but not playing. If you're interested in getting a copy of this message, we hope you'll stay with us. And after our song, we'll tell you how you can do so.
God created us with a love for music, and there's certainly nothing inherently evil about instrumental music. But when it comes to worshiping God as the church, our priority must always be what pleases God. Thank you for watching. Let the Bible speak. We hope you've heard God speak to you through His Word. If you'd like to get a free copy of Fruit of Your Lips or a Bible study course, please write us or call 1-800-380-5827. Please visit LetTheBibleSpeak.com to watch videos of the program. Finally, we echo the sentiment of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Romans chapter 16, verse 16, the churches of Christ salute you. Until next week, goodbye and God bless.